0: It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
1: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Should we always weigh two sides of an issue equally? Is the U.S. balancing the fate of democracy? Do you have to hold your nose and vote for the lesser of two evils? We'll talk about these hot-button issues and more on today's episode of Good Take, Bad Take. Hello, welcome to Good Take, Bad Take. This is the podcast where we're going to take a look at all these various online opinions we find. We try to highlight good ones and bad ones, try to take them apart, underline things that we like, underline things that, maybe not so much, uh, and of course, try to give you the best perspective and deep dive as to why we think maybe some takes aren't so great or the the truths behind some of the good takes in them. My name is Donald, and I'm here with my co-host, Britt. And I think we can just get started. Of course, we were the Cringe Post podcast, so if you're listening a little confused, that's why we just rebranded. So hopefully it's uh, a little what you like, but better. So this first take, uh, it's a quote retweet from... Uh, two verified twitter users here so i'm going to start with the first tweet that is being quote retweeted with the second so the first one's from radley balco who tweets still trying to wrap my head around this clever new argument from contrarian centrists that worrying about the republicans open explicit hostility toward democracy is the real (laughs) threat to democracy (laughs) and um aaron ross powell quote, retweets that. And these are both people in like the Beltway libertarian world. I want to say Aaron Ross Powell is Cato. He, if he's not, he's Cato adjacent. He's, you know, anyway, <laughs> he, um, he, he quote, retweets this and says, it's a pathological need for quote, balance and avoiding the appearance of taking a side driven by an underlying belief that both even in extreme circumstances is a marker of wisdom and objectivity. And it manifests in practice as a kind of mindless both sides, both sidesism. Excuse me. Okay, so there's now now the the, the tweet I want to highlight, of course, is the is the quote retweet, not the original tweet. As far as the good take, bad take, but we can kind of break them both down yeah. if you want. Where, what are your thoughts on this? Good take, bad take? Oh, I think it's. Uh... <sighs> It's funny.
0: Did we? Was it the last episode? Or it must have been two or three episodes ago. We had the the last Jedi, uh, a take where it's like, oh, yeah. well, when, when you say that both sides are bad, you're just enabling uh, the worst uh, in, in in all people, and you're, you 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 all, you fall onto the side of fascism. I didn't <laughs> know that Aaron Ross Powell was uh, was Cato adjacent <laughs> as yeah. you as you call him, which makes sense because I think this is a bad take in a lot of ways. Some somewhat good, um, but like, it's. No, I think it's a good take. I think it's a bad critique of Radley Balco, if that, if
1: that makes sense. That's exactly, in context, it's a bad take, but if you isolated it, it's a good take. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, <laughs> so it, I, I, I laughed at, at Radley Balco's thing because it's like, it's like, that it's kind of, to me, a very trolly, like, criticism of the threat to democracy, because I hate that. Like, oh, yeah. like, people <laughs> voting is a threat to democracy. It's like, well, that's the whole point. Maybe you just don't like democracy, as you probably shouldn't, because uh, that means people can do things that you don't like, and they can do it to you, because the majority of them voted for you. Um so Aaron, Aaron, Ross, Aaron Ross Powell's critique of that, like, yeah, like, I think there are a lot of people that do have the, uh, like, well, there's wisdom in both sides. And it's kind of a cop out to instead of like actually choosing to like choose something that is good or to actually say like, hey, no, that's wrong. It's, uh, it's almost a way for them to get out of conflict. Um, but yeah, you, tell me your thoughts on it. I, 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 this is where I was thinking we'd have a little bit more discussion.
1: Yeah, like yeah, this. for sure. So so a very, very easy bad take from Radley Balco. I think you, you you know, summarized greatly there. The, this, oh man, they're, you know, it's funny because what, what are they saying is the hostility towards democracy? Well, they'll probably cite it as election denial and January 6th, Okay. So what do we then call all of the destruction that happened after you know the 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 breaking of glass and stuff when Donald Trump was elected? And what do we call Stacey Abrams in Georgia, her never conceding to uh, Kemp in the Georgia governor's race last time around? How come that is not widely called um, a threat to democracy in the same way that you know the Republicans are? Well, it's because mainstream outlets get to control the narrative or whatever. And also, side note: no one cares about January 6th, No one cares about. This because it's not really a threat to democracy. They weren't trying to rush in there and overturn the results. They believed, in fact, if anything, they were trying to defend what they perceived as a uh, miscarriage of democracy. Right? They said these machines are rigged. Trump actually won, and you're undermining the democratic vote. So it's like the Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other um, because both sides are saying you're undermining democracy, like it's this wonderful thing. When in fact, both are just claiming, you know, swearing fealty to the same beast and then just disliking the the outcomes but but if you if you divorced the context this this is actually a really really good take so if you're maybe more liberty pilled um or you've been listening to us for a while and you might have seen where my mind was going you know when you heard that first quote retweet listen to the listen to the tweet again with just without any context it's a pathological or there, you know, maybe to make it more neutral, there is a pathological need for balance and avoiding the appearance of taking a side, driven by an underlying belief that both, even in extreme circumstances, is a marker of wisdom and objectivity. And it manifests in practice as a kind of mindless both sidesism. And I like this because yeah. it's it's reminiscent of the Ayn Rand quote, which I'm sure he would totally balk at. <laughs> um which, which, you know, rightly, rightly so, I guess. Ayn Rand isn't my favorite, but still. Where uh, she, my favorite quote of hers is, there are two sides of every issue, right and wrong, but the middle is always evil. And, and that's, I wouldn't put that as, you know, an absolute rule I live by, but it does highlight, I think, what a lot of people love to, to act when they're, what's the, um, the, the memes about the enlightened centrist? You know, the, the mm. guy who comes in, well, I think there's merit to both sides. And a lot of the times that isn't the case. Now, of course, in this particular instance, when you, you know, marry it back to its original context, I think, I think there isn't a a both side, you know, take he's correct, but I think he's also on the wrong side of it. I don't think saying the the Republicans are undermining democracy is the right side. I think that if you buy that narrative, you're on the wrong side because it's, they're just being dumb and the Democrats are, are weaponizing it to panic people into a frenzy over nothing. Well, it's.
0: And it's democracy or the concept of democracy as it exists within the American psyche is really funny because isn't it democracy if the majority of people vote that we don't want democracy anymore isn't that is that democracy fulfilling being the most democr- democratic that it can be right <laughs> you know and um and, and I I guess like to me th- this whole exchange is such a funny one because uh it just exposes like it exposes how how unfeasible democracy is a, a, in terms of a framework of like living together, working together, and all these different things. Because it, it's like they, they obviously understand like that there's a problem with this, and then and then Aaron Ross Powell, um has to, you know, by him saying that like not choosing a side I I I don't know. It's just it's just a really awkward argument that's being made because I know the point that he's coming at it from, but it's like, well, I I agree that like Democracy shouldn't exist. Um, I also agree that like being someone in the middle and being like, oh, well, I have to have you know, both sides or whatever. Um, and that makes me objective and therefore good uh, is 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 more just you probably will side with evil because you're not actually doing anything. And you you refuse to acknowledge that there is a side that's evil. I just don't like the side that he is deciding to call evil as evil. So it's like it's weird. It's it is good and it is bad. Uh, it's good in a vacuum bad from the the context that he's trying to put it in
1: yeah and and it's funny because i think every time i hear this take i always i always have to make that disclaimer because i've seen the, the critiques of centrism or both sidesism i've seen them done well and i've agreed with them but i've also seen them done poorly and so it's like i agree with this but the way that you're presenting it's wrong an example comes to mind if you ever watched that hbo show i think it was i think it was an hbo show uh, called the newsroom, I think. I have never and, watched it. No. Okay, yeah, it, it it was kind of like a more modern. Um, I it, it it didn't take place in the White House or anything like that, or or in Congress, but it almost felt like a little bit more modern. Uh, uh West Wing of sorts. But, you know, it's this. It's this. You know, media outlet news newsroom trying to actually report news or whatever and at one point this very thing comes up where they're like you know sometimes there aren't two sides to a story there's just a right and a wrong and the way that it was presented was very clearly like agenda driven and i'm like yeah well yeah you don't always have to present two sides to something but you do have to provide full context because in in the in the way that you know in the show's situation i remember thinking. Yeah, there the, there may not be a right, you know, two sides to an issue to say like is slavery good or bad, but there can be consequences to say, you know, is there is there two sides to we need to invade this country to stop slavery, right? Because there's unintended consequences and there's sure. a lot of things like that, right? So so you know, the, the, this kind of argument gets twisted and I think the January 6th thing is a way where it gets twisted, but the core point that he's making is a good take. Yeah. I think you just have to clarify it to make sure that you aren't saying it in a way that I think he is, which makes it kind of a bad take. Yeah. The other the other last thing I'll say that's kind of funny is um, I'm pretty sure Aaron Ross Powell objected to the quote-unquote hostile takeover of the Libertarian Party from the Mises Caucus, which, of course, was an entirely democratic principle on a private organization group that he was free to leave if he so chose versus supporting the you know dem- democracy of the United States, which you actually have no warrant to leave if you so chose if the the democratic outcome was what you disagreed with you can't just leave so if you're going to support democracy you better be supporting it in the private institutions that you can voluntarily leave and and be, and not complain about a quote unquote hostile takeover that was done by convincing people to join and gaining more membership. Yeah, and that,
0: that that's the ironic part too is that the Mises Caucus came to power mainly because they said, hey, we don't we don't want to have this balanced libertarian thing. We want to have libertarian anarchist messaging. Uh, we choose a side in this, and we don't try to appease both sides. Where we're like the the third party alternative. It's like no, we we are distinct and separate. And different um and so that yeah when you said kato adjacent it just made me chuckle because it's like oh this is like so anti what that those
1: group of folks yeah. usually usually talk about absolutely okay we'll move to our next uh take here this one comes from uh susie or suze i assume it's susie uh morrison who tweets i don't care how cute your clothes are If you charge a higher price for plus sizes of the same item, I will not buy it. If it was really about the cost of extra fabric, you'd charge less for extra small than medium, right? But we don't do that, do we? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So this one, I actually went back and forth in my head a little bit while I was considering it, uh, and I came to a conclusion. But I want to hear yours. Okay,
0: I say bad, like very yeah. bad take. Um, yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> mainly
0: because, so I, I have some experience with manufacturing overseas, mainly with like te- like technology, not necessarily like fabrics and, and textiles and things like that. But uh, manufacturing relies on this concept called tooling, which is uh, the to mass produce an item. Um, you decide, okay, I'm going to mass produce this section of item. And there's, there's, a, there's a fixed cost to getting the tooling set up to actually produce it. Because you got to you know, set the measurements and you got to set the actual parameters and you got to bring the machines in, hook them up, get them all programmed and everything like that. And uh, so when you do that, you're doing it with the knowledge like, okay, there's, there's a certain amount of fixed cost and I'm going to uh, I'm gonna divide that fixed cost over the number of items that I anticipate selling. Of, of of that item that that tooling was so you can spread it over that and so if you sell less right if you if you're producing an item that sells sells less of that single item of, of that item um, that means that the tooling cost is actually more uh, per per item that is produced and so yeah maybe you it, it, the material cost doesn't really matter it's it's insignificant in a lot of ways to the actual setup and so with this it's like okay. And I don't, I'm not saying I know the actual market for for plus sizes or anything like that, but I'm assuming within this instance that, you know, maybe if there's, you know, small, extra small, small, medium and large and, and plus, you know, extra large, um, that you'd probably, you know, 80, 90% would fall within that extra small to large range. And then there's maybe 10% of the market that's beyond that. At least in my days touring with a band and selling shirts, that's how how it felt to us. And so the same tooling cost that would apply to a large or medium, um, but is spread out across you know the ninety percent of shirts that are sold, uh, now that same cost is going to be applied to to the plus size, and so therefore you need to charge more for it, including more fabric and things like that, um, and, and, and the fact that you're going to have potentially more risk in uh, in um, in product left
1: over so yeah that's that's exactly it and and the thing to think that that sort of I was trying to consider, of course, was that you know she somewhat tries to anticipate this this tooling cost that you bring up by highlighting well if you, you charge less for extra small than medium, then you'd be consistent, but they don't do that and and you know something that came to my mind was, well, I'm sure that for one, it, you know every storefront is different. I actually have seen especially independent clo- you know people who make uh, smaller amounts, items of each, who do charge less for smaller sizes, especially if you go to Etsy or something like that, you can often find the products in the different sizes and they go up for literally each size because the material costs affect smaller manufacturers. You know, if you're like an individual person or you have maybe like a single machine, they do impact you more than a broad chain. But the other thing is, like you said, um, if if you're going to sell less of an item and it's less efficient for you to make a higher number of that item, then if that's the case with your extra small, because I imagine that, you know, somewhat of the, of the bell curve of your, of your average typical clothing sales is, you know, the, the very, very small, you're going to have low. And then as you get into, you know, small, medium, large, X large, and then XX, you know, et cetera, you're going to have that sort of bell curve. The difference between charging more on the XXL side of things versus the X, uh, XS side of things is that the XS does use less fabric. So it might charge the same as a medium, but that's being set to the standard pricing of a medium, not to the standard pricing of the extra small. So it's not, you know, this person's thought process is they are charging the base rate for what an extra small should be, and they're keeping that price the same all the way extra small through medium or large or whatever. And then once you hit the XXL, then you're only charging more. When in reality... The medium price is probably set by the one you will sell the most of, and then it works down from there. And so the XS size is actually being charged at a higher rate than the material cost would otherwise be. But because it's irregular, you have to charge up for that. But because it's smaller, it's using less material. So you're actually not losing as much on the material cost there, right? So it, it all depends on where, you know, it's like with, with charts or, or data or anything. It just depends on where your starting point is, how, how the data is going to skew. The other thing to think is that for, for, I mean, I wear like an XL shirt, you know, uh, for the average, I don't think I've ever been charged more for an XL. Like you, in order to, for, for shirts, other than maybe like, again, specialty type things like on Etsy or the standard size goes fairly large before there's any kind yeah. of upcharge. So it really has to be that low, uh, low frequency the of, of purchase, because the other thing to think about is, you know. Everyone who's born starts at some point at an XS. So the market for XS is always going to be higher than yeah. like XXXL because not everyone gets to XXXL. That is a rarer, less frequent place. And, and even if that sounds ridiculous, like people like buying, you know, like band hoodies for their babies. People like buying specialty clothes for for their little toddlers, even if the toddler isn't into that, you know, particular Band or into that style or whatever people like doing that and like i said everyone comes from that size so all of those factors go into this the only part of this take that i liked was if you make that decision i appreciated that she said i will not buy it she didn't say they shouldn't be allowed to do this there, she didn't say there should be a law mandate there was none of that it was a i'm not going to do this thing and you're trying to make that case so i appreciated the fact that she was trying to make a case I just think she was making the case wrongly.
0: Yeah, she's making the case without full knowledge of like the whole process of manufacturing and how products are are, are brought to market, and the accounting behind how margins and profit is calculated. And I I, I agree with you in that like I don't I you know I, I wear large to extra large. Depending on. Us tall guys generally have to do that because. Even though my frame probably fits like a large or a medium, it, it, it would uh, if I lifted my hands above my my head, I'd, I'd be showing yeah, a belly That nice midriff. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think I've ever paid more for an extra large. However, uh, speaking from like touring and a band and all that stuff, you know, buying shirts like we'll do a run of 150, which is not a lot. Like I said, 90% of them are in the extra small to large range and then 10% are in the the extra large range, but they give you price discounts based on the volume that you you purchase at each individual That's, level. Yep. And so, uh, you know, where I could buy, you know, extra small through through large at $7 a shirt or whatever, the extra large, because I'm only buying 15 of them, uh, the only price break I get is maybe 12 bucks, right? So it's, it's literally $5 more expensive. But I'm still going to, because I just don't want to have anyone feel bad or anything like that. You know, when we're selling shirts, I just, everything, every shirt is 20 bucks or $25. um, And that's what it is. And I'm fine eating that cost just so I can serve a a segment of the market and, and have everyone feel good and not run into someone that feels this way. So yeah, it, I think for her to say like, Hey, I'm just not going to buy it. It's like, that's actually a good message to send to a business if, if, if that's what's important to you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you should understand it's not because they're like, the business is greedy. They're, they're, they're just applying the same standard that they would to all the other shirts to, to the extra-large because it does cost significantly more.
1: Yeah, in order to, to have this perspective, you almost have to simultaneously believe that the business is, you know, trying to specifically target XL people or XXL people uh, because of this internal evil bias and simultaneously is willing to eat a loss yeah. and giving discounts <clears throat> to people who are buying mediums or larges or whatever the, the highest size, but the same standard rate is, which I just think is really funny to think that the business is more willing to spite you than it is to you know, money. Make, <laughs> make money. Yeah, exactly. Which maybe there are cases of that, but it's, I, the vast majority is probably not that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. We've got a take from Dave Smith, uh, not verified, but, you know, maybe with this eight bucks a month thing, maybe he can be soon. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so he he tweets. <clears throat> Just remember today. Oh, and, and if you know, we're recording on uh, November uh, eight. And that is when this tweet hmm. uh, came from. So this is, in fact, Election Tuesday for the midterms. Just remember today that democracy is not on the ballot. The U.S. is not a democracy. It's not a republic. It's a fascist oligarchy that allows for a minimal amount of participation from the citizens. However you feel about democracy, this ain't one. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Yeah, (laughs) this this is just one of those great spicy takes that's going to... Make all the right people angry. Um I think I can pretty much highlight for both of us that this is a good take. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what, what great your thoughts. Take. Go for. It. Yeah. Go for it first.
0: Yeah. I wish we had a great take, terrible take, but no, good take, bad yeah. take. This this falls <laughs> in the great area. I and you know I um I, I have a lot of friends. And I think in the in the typical like person that doesn't think about politics or think about political philosophy like you and I do all the time. Um, you know, democracy is synonymous with you know the good guys. Um, you know, both from you know what we're taught in school to our media. You know, thinking Obi Wan Kenobi, his loyalty is to democracy. Um, love Obi Wan Kenobi, but don't love that line. <laughs> um, and sure, fine. I don't like democracy, but even if even if we even if I granted that democracy is good and it's the it's the thing that we should strive for. Uh, Dave Smith is absolutely entirely correct that we are not a democracy, right? Like, he, he had a great episode today talking about, you know, criticizing Bill Maher for saying, like, people don't think about checks and balances and things like that. But it's like, okay, in the past 20 years, 30 years, since the two thousand, since George W. Bush came to power, uh, where have the checks and balances been, you know, on this democracy? You know, we went to the Iraq war, and where is the check on that? Oh, it's supposed to be Congress, but Congress didn't authorize that war. Like, we went to war. Like, uh, George W. Bush said, Oh, I'm going to do executive order and we're going to get into that. If you want to talk about balances and, and, and all these different things, it's like, well, what about, uh, what about like the, the Patriot Act? Like, I thought we were supposed to be balanced that the, the executive branch can't infringe upon the citizenry because the you know, the legislative or the judicial branch is going to keep them in line. Uh, but somehow we still have the Patriot Act. Somehow we still got the COVID mandates. And yeah, the one time that it kind of was balanced you know, with the COVID vaccine mandate, it was done along partisan lines, not actually done because like someone had some sort of balance in mind. Um, so I, I don't think we have democracy, even if that was the, the thing that we were striving for. Uh, we definitely have an oligarchy. We definitely have people in power that decide and give us the illusion of choice. Um, they, we don't actually have the ability to decide what happens to us. You know, regardless of whether a Republican or a Democrat is in power, uh, you have to pay your property taxes on the property that you have fully paid off. Uh, It made me think of um, uh, here in Washington state, we've got uh, we 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 overwhelmingly passed or I guess repudiated uh, a a, a tab vehicle tax um, that was going to be funding all these different sorts of things. And then the uh, the state of Washington sued, basically trying to nullify what the citizens said about that tax, using money for lawyers that they had already taxed from us. So if, if you want to know how the entire government works, they will use your money to fight you <laughs> at the end of the day to enforce laws to take more of your money.
1: A million percent. There's so many examples. I mean, as you were describing all this, just ab- about a billion popped into my head. But like with COVID alone, right? Think about the fact that, You know, the Constitution, which is supposed to be the ultimate authority, legally speaking, you know, guarantees the right to assemble. And yet COVID governors just shut that down, said, you know what, if it's a public space like a church or something like that, you can't you can't gather, even though the, the Constitution is supposed to be a check on authority like that. You look at states like Washington, like Hawaii. Um, I want to say like West Virginia, maybe there was some, some random ones. There were four States that were in emergency order for the longest amounts of time. Washington was 975 days of emergency uh, authority power. And uh, when emergency power reform came to Congress, no one took it up. Right? So even if, even if there had been some kind of um, bill uh like in hawaii they actually passed a bill that would have checked the governor's power guess what the governor just vetoed it so anytime (laughs) there are checks it's checks on reducing power it's never the reverse the checks never restrain you want to talk about over overriding the will of the voters like with the 30 dollar car tabs for the last 100 years over 10 times washington state residents have voted to reject amendments to the constitution that would make a state income tax legal. So what did the legislature do? It passed a capital gains tax yeah. which is an income tax and they just said no, it's not an income tax. And now we're in a legal battle with it because guess what? They want the income tax even though Washington voters again, 10 times, 10 different votes over the last 100 years. The last one was like in 2000, I don't remember, it was like 2016 or 17 in different places, I don't remember. But point is, um no matter, no matter where you are, these checks and balances only go in one direction, and it's never on actually restraining government. And when it does, it does not last very long, um, especially when the, 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 the progressive uh, institutions start churning up the people who are supposed to be enforcing these laws. So any particular good you might have thought existed. With the you know the conservative notion of a you know judicial review, those positions are being filled by people who believe that the government's primary role is to run your life, and they believe that the the person's primary needs should be fulfilled by the government, not earned by you know their own work and ethic and things like that. So, yes, the U.S. isn't a democratic republic in any meaningful sense. It's really not, um, and. And so when, when people are trying to say, you know, we have to, the, to vote for, for democracy or whatever it is, uh, I just, I don't, I don't see how that correlates to anything um, other than, the, the, I, guess, I guess the closest you could argue, which I don't think is what people say, mean when they say that dem- democracy on the ballot is maybe if there's an overwhelming ousting of every single person who is responsible for the COVID lockdowns and every other kind of restriction, if they all lost their jobs, that might be the closest we have to getting democracy on the ballot. But that's not what people mean when they say that. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think that uh, I, I think his take is good here. Um, and it's I, great. I, don't, I don't think he's wrong.
0: Yeah. Have you ever um have you ever read like a, a marketing person's resume, like a digital ads person's resume?
1: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Maybe on LinkedIn, maybe you've seen it, but what, one of the stats that these people will put on their resume, and it, it always has struck me as funny. And I'll explain, I'll explain why in a minute. But they, they'll put on their resume like, "Oh, I did ten million dollars in ad spend. I spent ten million oh. dollars in my job or whatever." <laughs> and like, what 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 these folks are doing? Like, it always struck me as weird. It's like, you spent ten million dollars. Like, you're going to lead with that. So if I hire you, you're going to you're spend ten million of my dollars. That's your expectation. But what these folks like in the marketing world, what that means is I spent $10 million and I got a return 3X or whatever of that. Right. Like, cause right, that's how right. marketing it's measured in conversions, you know, cost per impression, all this different thing, cost per conversion. Right. The problem with the government though, is that you are literally voting in people that say they, they want to be able to brag about spending your money and they don't have to get you anything for it. It doesn't mean, you know, if they spend trillion, it doesn't mean you actually got anything back for it. It just means they spent it. And that's the only metric of success. And so the absurdity of democracy is that we think every two years, every four years, we vote people in and we're taking a vote on who's going to go spend, take our money at gunpoint and spend it with no assurances that we're actually going to get something in return. And that's the measure of success they all campaign on. Um, and that's that's why it's such a bad system, right? Like, how about we just let the people that made the money decide where they're going to spend it? Because the people that actually made it are probably best qualified to decide where it's spent, as opposed to these politicians who get elected uh, through a popularity contest uh, and have never generated anything in their lives.
1: Yeah, uh, just look at the uh, Pennsylvania Senate race. Uh, either way, the uh, either outcome of that is is a travesty. It's terrible, uh, yeah. unless they magically elect a, a beautiful libertarian candidate, which. Somehow it doesn't seem the polling's going that way. No, probably won't. Okay, uh, this next tweet uh, reads, The same ones threatening you about the death of democracy are the same people who had no problem with NSA mass surveillance, engaged in mass censorship, locked people down, fired people for not getting vaccinated, and kept kids out of school for nearly two years well having just gone on a a rant about (laughs) the death of democracy i think it's quite a clear that this is a great take as well um i think i you know it's it's funny because these people i you know if we want to pivot from from our last talking points a little bit i think a lot about how there's this all the talk about election safety and integrity and stuff like that and it seems like right now the 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 political right is very uh, we need to track these ballots and we don't want them going into electronic machines that we can't see. The left is very much trying to say, nope, we need total privacy of all these ballots and, and things like that. And yet both have voted to reaffirm individual surveillance on every level, except for like a handful of people like, you know, Rand Paul and like John Tester from Montana. Well, he's not in the Senate anymore, you know there are a few people who stood up to renewing mass surveillance and these programs but but when it comes to their jobs you know whether or not they win the popularity contest and get to stay then they both put on a show about things how oh democracy really matters we need to keep you know, voters information private or we really need transparency, whatever the side of the coin that they want to take is. They care about it so much when it comes to do I get to keep my cushy job where I get to get money from lobbyists. Uh, But when it comes to individual people making their decisions about how they live and what they say and who they associate with. Oh, well, that yeah, we don't need you don't need transparency in the government institutions for that. We don't need privacy to respect what people have over there. So even that first problem alone to me is just makes it a, a wonderful take. Let alone the other laundry list of, of um bad marks on the resumes he he has here as well.
0: Yeah, I I, I chose this one after the Day Smith one because I, I thought it supported that point. And yeah. so it it's two two good or great takes in a row. Um it it also applies to Republicans though, because you know, he has that, you know had no problem with the NSA mass surveillance states like, well, that was imp- implemented under a Republican president. Yep. Um, and Republicans being in power and Republicans do that, too. They you know, I I, we, I, was listening to the Daily Wire election coverage today and, you know, they were they were talking about the uh, the voting issue and the uh, the early voting and why can't certain states count this? And, you know, when they do mail in voting, it favors Democrats. And it's like, you know, like I get it. There's there's some nuance in terms of like you want to have vote you want to have votes available the day or you vote tally is available the day that they're put in there. But like the only reason you're really arguing this and you're arguing against early mail-in voting or anything like that is because like it goes against you right. <laughs> in a lot of ways. So it's like both parties do not care about democracy in, in as much as that it, it furthers whether or not they will be the ones, uh, holding the gun at the end of the day. Um, because you know, it, I think there's a, there's a, I don't really care because I don't like voting. I don't like democracy. But there's an argument to be made that, no, like being giving people the best and most flexible way to to make their voice heard is the most is the best way for democracy to be implemented, because the core of democracy is that everyone gets a voice in everyone else else's lives. So, uh, yeah, it actually is democratic. You can make a case for it, at least that it is democratic um, for everyone to have early voting and all this stuff. And if it if it favors Democrats, then so be it ben shapiro like it's uh that's democracy at work so you're either for democracy or not for it and i wish you would just come out and own it and say yeah we don't like democracy uh it's wrong and bad and it's not only because we don't win when they do these sorts of things but when democracy is actually implemented to the fullest uh way that it can um you know it's it's a bad result anyways
1: so they, they always get
0: really close to the edge but they never quite go over
1: You know who's the biggest hypocrite on this is our favorite, many many featured on Cringe Posts, uh, Joe Walsh. Um, Oh, yeah. I saw him uh, quote retweet Nina Turner, uh, Nina Turner saying um, something about we should make uh, Election Day a national holiday. And he said... I strongly disagree with this, but would love to have, would would love for this to be an inspiring conversation, debate, you know, like Mm. uplifting or whatever, you know. How middle of the road of him. (laughs) Yeah, I know. How about both sides of them? Uh, But it's so funny. I mean, I I kind of guffawed a little bit because it was like, this is the guy who's talking about how Trump is trying to destroy and and January 6th MAGA people are trying to destroy and overturn democracy. And then he's like, well, I don't think it should be a national holiday. And you're like, OK, I really don't think there's a good argument if you truly support democracy and you truly support this idea that everyone should vote like those cringy, you know, doesn't matter what your voice is, just go out and vote that, you know, no one actually believes that. But, you know, if that, that that's the side these people try to take and then you're like, well, I don't think we should make it a national holiday. It's like, why not? Because if you truly think democracy is the sacred institution The only reason why you could not you would not want it to be a holiday is because you realize that the more people vote, probably the more left people, the more, you know, they they vote, which I think is true. Like, I think if you took a pure every single person voted, they're obviously going to vote for the party that promises them more things outright. Yeah. Now, I don't think that makes Republicans like good. I think it makes them usually slightly better, but it's not enough to, to, to outright say, like, you should go support the Republican Party. Um, because they all they end up giving people what they want too, because it becomes a race to the bottom of oh crap we need to get voters I'll give this handout I'll support this voting block this group but I think if you you know if you if on on face if you got more people voting I do agree I think I think you would get a, a much bluer uh, a much bluer turnout um, for for these democratic elections so if you if and Joe Walsh. No, probably knows this too, and he's in this confused middle ground of again, what was the thing he said the other day, uh, being a woke, uh, woke, conservative woke conservative or whatever conservative. it was, yeah. um, where he still wants his team to win, but only the neoconny kinds, not the uh, not the MAGA kinds, but it doesn't matter because they're also going to lose in this particular instance. I think.
0: Yeah, democracy the most democracy it can be is everyone being able to vote, but we all under implicitly understand that that is a problem to have someone else have a say in what I do in my life. And if that's true at the individual level, why the heck do we do it at the mass level at the nation level um, or any level at all, you know, other than voluntarily, like, Hey, a group of people decide to get together. If you don't want to be part of this group, then leave, but we don't, we don't have that option. Uh, You, you have to, if 51% thinks that, you know, Eighty percent of your uh, of your income should be taken away from you. Then, too bad. Hopefully, you can make it for the next two years and vote someone else in. I really, I
1: just really want to hear. I've never, I've never heard an adequate defense with someone, and I'm sure there exists. So, if anyone knows, send it my way. Um, if it's like a recording or or someone I can talk to, but I've never heard someone defend democracy be able to defend the the tyranny of the majority argument against it. I've never heard. It's an adequate defense.
0: I think, so Dave Smith, again, love Dave Smith, but he he said the only strong argument for it that he's heard is a Mises argument, that it's the only, it's not the only. It's preferable in a lot of ways because it's a peaceful way to make power change hands. Right,
1: But I'm just, I mean, I just, people who are democracy absolutists, they, you know, how, how do you defend the idea that everyone could vote that anyone with blue eyes has to be personal slaves of everyone else you know and then the blue-eyed people in the u.s are, are a minority and guess what everyone gets slaves and it just sucks for that and and if it's democratically decided is that not the right course of action yeah i, I don't know it's um, the fact
0: that a, yeah the fact that they would grant you that a, a morally wrong outcome can result from democracy means that democracy in of itself is not a good thing
1: exactly it's a system that can be used for good or ill and then the burden is on them to say that it needs it's going to be presenting these good or bad things. And I think it's very clearly over the past- Well, it's presented as it's, it's it. the
0: voice of the people, so it's always good. Right. It's, right. No, obviously not, right? Like we, what majority of people supported slavery, you know, majority of people supported segregation, majority of people supported lots of awful things, um, but that didn't make them it, it, right. So there, there is a higher, uh, higher moral ethic to adhere to than, oh, the majority is right. Exactly.
1: Okay, our next uh takes come from this He's a public figure, so you can in, okay. Owen is it straight Strachan Strachan? Um yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh he tweets I hate to spoil this for people, but in a thoroughly fallen world like ours, where Christ is not on the ballot, there is only the lesser of evils from which to choose. Those who burden the Christian conscience by asking that the church vote only for ideal candidates and policies hang a heavy millstone around the neck of godly men and women. I despise this, tro- this trope of uh, winsome Christian elites. Oh, you're not voting for perfect candidates and policies, even Christ himself? Your faith has suffered a political takeover, you vile Christian nationalist. Newsflash, we only have imperfect people and programs to vote for. Um, you know, this one's interesting. It I'm, is. I'm curious on what your initial take is because I'm kind of of two minds on it. And I haven't, I haven't fully settled into a camp. It's hard, man. I've,
0: i I've, I've uh, as I've thought about it today, I've gone back and forth. I, I think some of the things he says are true. Yeah. Um, which, which to me makes it tip a little bit more towards good take. He is right. We only have, you know, from a Christian perspective, uh, which Donnie and I are, are both, uh, Christians. Um, he is right. We, in our philosophy and our our religion, there are only evil people. There is no one perfect but Christ. Um, that being said, I think that the institution of voting, the as we kind of have already talked about, this institution of that, it, it, to me, is aggression. In that, I am going to my neighbor might not agree with what I want to do with property taxes. Um, or maybe even there's my house is not worth as much as my neighbors um, and I want to raise property taxes. It is wrong for me to think that I can force against the their will my neighbor to pay more in property taxes. And so like this whole like I think there to me the the uh, the whole concept of voting of choosing the lesser of two evils or whatever is evil in a sense, because I'm, I'm forcing my will upon someone else. So I don't really opt into the entire framework of like, that I have to choose um, someone that's evil, because I think that the act of like forcing is Th- that being said, you know, I think that Christians are called to try and make a more just and righteous world, um, whatever that may be. Um, but I don't know i it's that's kind of where i'm processing in real time with you i what do you think about it
1: yeah no i agree i i like i like what you you led with with there are good there are true things in here um <clears throat> which makes it hard to parse out i think it's i think it's similar to the first take where i think if you're if you were talking about i mean if you took some of those choice things on their own in this thread i think it would be a good take as to say that you can't you can't badger other people for voting for imperfect people, and your thresholds are going to be different. However, my problem with this is it—it it is often used to justify supporting a bad system, yeah. And it's often used that's- to justify supporting bad people. So I think I think the distinction—I think what would have made this, you know, the fourth tweet that's not here that would have made this, fu- you know, fully into the good take camp for me is if he said something along the lines of. That isn't to say there's no threshold by which someone can be, you know, multiple options can be d- precluded from a vote. You know, um, I think the way that I think about, dem- you know, dem- you know, whether or not you are, you and I like democracy or de- democratic republic system we're in, we have this minuscule ability to put your pebble in one of the coffers and sway something somewhere. And so you have a lot of particular options that you can choose to affect some kind of outcome, right? Inaction is doing something. Putting your name or filling in the bubble by someone else's name—that is an action. Um, and so I think that you need to to recognize all this, but also recognize that there, you know, there are ways that you know it's like okay, if someone's going to give you fifty lashes and someone's going to give you forty-nine lashes. On the one hand, I don't totally blame the guy who votes for the forty-nine, but I think even in the context of admiration, when you see in like in like a piece of media or something, the hero refuse to to to, to bend the knee to the forty-nine guy and just you know stand up and refuse to, to bow to either, you cheer that guy yeah, because you know do. there's something morally right about <clears throat> not submitting. Even if there's a slightly better outcome technically, if it's if it's a horrible thing, still there is some merit into not volunteering into a system that promotes evil in that way. Now, again, the, the 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 reality that he mentions is we live in a fallen world. We have fall imperfect people, imperfect programs, imperfect policies. But I think that this guy also would recognize that that doesn't mean that if you know your choices are, uh, you know kill your your son on the left or your son on your right you know you, you don't get to make that that call you don't get to choose you would do everything you can to fight it you wouldn't just say well i'm at risk of killing both of my sons so i'm just going to kill the one on the left like that's that's also that's an immoral choice to make just as much i, I would argue and, and as to trying to stop now does it seem desperate does it seem like sometimes it's an impossible thing to overcome Sure, but that's also why we're in this system to begin with is because so many people believe that. So many people think that we're trapped in this system. And it's not to say that magically everyone could just come out and, and rescue us from the oligarchs if they wanted to, but that's certainly how you get things started. If we want any kind of change in a country, you actually need people to wake up. And that's not always through the ballot box, but shoot. I mean, if you could convince you know 60% of people in an election to write in some guy who's not on the ballot, they would have no choice if but to recognize that candidate and the very the, and that would be the minimal impact, right? Because if they ignored that outcome, you would wake up even more people, right? So this takes to me, it's it's like it's missing that that key yeah. context of of like there is a threshold where your vote actually isn't a good thing, even if it's technically a lesser of two evils. Yeah, it, this
0: uh, you succinctly put you know, in, in like 20 seconds, what I, what I tried to, what I struggled to say for a long time. But like you're saying, the issue with it that it's missing is that there are some candidates or there are some lesser of two evils that are not much different than the greater evil and have crossed certain lines that to participate in it at all would be evil in and of itself. And I, I and this logic has been used to justify, I remember at college, some people telling me about how you know, uh, like city church, uh, a really, they're not called church owned but a large church here in Seattle, uh, you know, from the pulpit was was saying that, well, yeah, we don't, you know, George Bush hasn't done a very good job in some ways, but he's Republican and says he'll be pro-life. So you need to vote for him. Um, And it's like, well, no, like George Bush has killed innocent people in the Middle East that should not have been killed. And that to me is a threshold that I don't want to vote for. I think that Trump also falls into that camp. Um, you know, I had someone close to me make the case in the 2016 uh, election, and they were somewhat right in, in this way. That they're like, "Well, I want to vote for Trump because, yeah, he he personally he's done some evil things. I also don't think he's going to be very good in foreign policy or anything like that. But he's going to confirm, you know, Supreme Court justices that will uphold moral laws at the end of it, and maybe overturn Roe v. Wade and all these different things. And he turned out to be right, you know, about that. Like in, in right. a way, so it's like I'm a little bit torn on my decision to not vote for Trump in 2016, but uh, I am very happy, obviously, that Roe v. Wade was overturned. It's, I think, live action posted that it already it saved about, I think, ten uh, thousand, prevented ten thousand abortions, which is which is really awesome. Um, and from our perspective, you know, a child is a life, so that's that's ten thousand children saved. So yeah, I like you're saying. I I want to say it's a good take, but I think it's like maybe we could say it's an unwise take. I I don't know. Like it's it's miss it's incomplete. It's missing that part sure. where it's like saying there are some politicians you know, if you, if you had to choose between, uh, you know, Emperor Palpatine or Darth Vader, it's like, I'm going to choose neither. You know, they're both, they're both wrong. They're both evil. Yeah. Darth Vader's a little less evil. He's not evil incarnate, but he's bad and he will torture you. Uh, it's not going to be good. And so, um, I think there, there is a time. Have you ever watched no country for old men? No, no. You've never seen that movie. No, oh I, my I'm gosh! Movies. I'm, I'm hesitant <laughs> to talk. I'm so hesitant to talk about it now because you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Anyways, there there there's uh, there's morals in it about like chance and human nature and inevitability. And at the end of of the movie, you know the the villain uh, kind of leaves whether he kills someone or not up to a coin toss. Uh-huh. And so he sits down with this girl. He's cornered her. He says, "Okay, I'm flipping the coin." but the key is that you have to call, like the girl has to call whether it's heads or tails and if she gets it right. She lives. And she's like, no, I'm not going to call it. Like it's your choice whether you Mm -hmm. get to kill me or not. And he's like, no, like that's not the way, you know, the universe works. Um, And she's like, no, you have a choice. You can walk away from this. And I I think that, that, that moral is present sometimes, especially when you, yeah, there's the lesser of two evils. um, But they're both evil. Like sometimes the right thing is to just say, no, I don't support either of these. There's a, there's a different way.
1: That and that being said, we also don't I I would agree that I would say this is mostly a good take in that you also can't blindly adhere to that principle you do have to like, and that's the hard thing. I think people love to live in a world where it's like, I'm all one way or all another. And it's like, no, life is gray in many ways. And you actually have to use wisdom to discern what the right call is there. It's like, in Washington State, you know we we have our our senate race coming up and or and i, I don't think the candidate tiffany smiley is going to win no. but it's like she's walked back some of her support for pro life stuff because it's unpopular here and frankly that is deeply disappointing to me but i think it would also be insane to to think that there would be no better outcome from someone who's walked back some of their pro life position to someone who is fully pledged to try to immortalize the baby murder, genocide in this state and and nationally. So yeah. that would be a good example of, you know, if you took this principle to heart and say, well, she she walked back her, her pro life position a little bit. I'm never voting for her. I would say that that's probably a foolish call in the long run, especially when no there's no better choice or outcome or or way. You know, you're not losing an opportunity to do something good in this particular case. There's not like a libertarian candidate who's pro life and uh running in that way, right? So life's gray. You kind of have to make those calls. Um, so this is a mostly good take, but needs context. We'll get, I got that Facebook on that, you know,
0: needs context.
1: <laughs> okay. Last, uh, last take here. We've got the meme, um uh, with, you know, the, the ch- looking away and, and the, you know, li- and, you know, on the left side, he's labeled uh, liberals and it's, you know, he, he's shunning the Iraq war and then <laughs> given that, ah, yeah, to the war in Ukraine. <laughs> and, um, Of course, is saying you know liberals were all against the Iraq war, but they're very pro uh, war in Ukraine. Um, Good take here. (laughs) Great take. take. Um, I was going to say I saw uh, I saw um, oh what I can't even I'm I'm losing my mind. What's his name? Great anti-war guy uh, for um, Libertarian Institute, uh, Scott Horton. Excuse me. I saw his uh, tweet where he was like, I wrote you know I voted for a lot of really great Libertarian candidates today. But I also had to vote for a couple of Republicans because I'm so mad at the Democrats right now because they are being so awful on things like the war in Ukraine right now that I, anything you could do to run them into the ground and humiliate them is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Now, I think on the flip side, I think this meme is, is great. On the flip side, I unfortunately think um, you'd have to take you know, this same format and put conservatives and have war in Ukraine up top. But then you'd also have to say war in Ukraine after midterms and put them like thumbs up. I have zero faith that they will not, you know, I think it was Mitch McConnell said, you know, under a Republican (laughs) Senate, not another penny to Ukraine. And I'm like, I have 0% faith that that is true. (laughs)
0: What <laughs> what's funny is I actually saw this as a reply. Someone posted uh this same meme format. It's the 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 Drake uh meme. Yeah. Um they, they posted the same meme format, but they had Christian moms in the left side. And they had Harry Potter in the top saying like, oh, no, no Harry Potter. But oh, yeah, I really like uh, the Iraq war or whatever. <laughs> and this person's a very lefty person and has a Ukraine flag in their, you know, their, their profile and all these different things. Right. Um, so like someone posted this to that. And obviously everyone got really triggered about it and, and, mm-hmm. and, and said, oh, well, actually, or this is different because of this or that. Yep. Um. it's like, no, like unjustified war and bloodshed and, and funding it are <laughs> the same. Yeah, Regardless of whether it is on uh, white people or brown people or anyone in between, uh, it's just just not good.
1: Yeah, I I think it's, again, every time there is a conflict like this, there will always be a group who has to sort of um, posture to oppose it, who really isn't going to oppose it at the end of the day. I mean, think about how many liberals actually voted against Iraq war when it came down to it. Not that many. There were a couple. There were a few. And did they ever do anything within their power to stop, you know, defund troops or move? No, they didn't because they were too. They they were too in the you know in the money of it. And I think the same thing will be true in the war in Ukraine, where there's all these people who are speaking out against it on the conservative side, who will ultimately vote for a package that will go to them, or or they'll vote against it, knowing that it will pass anyway. You know. Make sure that they get those votes whipped out, but also, um, you know, the every situation like this is also going to have the propaganda surrounding it uh, that justifies why this particular instance is different than the last fifty interventions that we shouldn't have done. Well, yeah, yeah, no. Well, Iraq was wrong, obviously, but see, this one's different because Russia attacked them unprovoked. It's like. Isn't that what you were saying is that Iraq was going to attack us unprovoked? And yeah. it's like, maybe there's <laughs> more context in the Middle East. Maybe there's more context in foreign policy than, than you're willing to let on. And that, yeah, Russia is a sucky actor. And yeah, Russia is doing bad stuff over there for sure. We've also meddled over there that provoked a lot of this. And what we're ending up doing rather than ha- having a peaceful resolution is we're prolonging a conflict because we want to stuff Russia back in the face for our own political geopolitical power i i
0: that's so funny what you're saying about that like it it reminded me of um they they tried to pull the oh well there's chemical weapons or whatever in in ukraine thing too which is it's like okay like could you get any more obvious that you're like using the playbook from 20 years ago again today like like they're trying to claim i think that that we had some chemical labs or something and russia had gotten a hold of them and there was a danger of them unleashing it whatever it's like Okay, (laughs) like like we've we've literally seen this play out the same exact way, the same propaganda of children being murdered and and all these different things. And maybe some of it's true, right? Like war. The very reason we should oppose war is because that stuff does happen. right? Right. And we should be skeptical, though, of anyone that says it's unilaterally happening on only being perpetrated by one side against another innocent side um so yeah i i thought this meme was hilarious we should actually probably repost it on our account because it was yeah. uh
1: it, it's it's definitely a good one agreed well i think that's it for this episode so thank you guys for listening in as always if you want to subscribe share with your friends leave us a good review on apple podcasts or other uh, places that helps us out a lot and we'll catch you next time mm-hmm.